Hi, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Good. I saw the best sticker today. Oh, tell me. <laughs> well, first I love of all, stickers. I spent a really long time on the Wikipedia page for transgender topics because, you know, we do a podcast about uh, transgender you know, topics. Yeah. Transgender topics. And it led me to a really cool artist who I probably should have made a note of before I started talking about her. <laughs> Shut them out. So I'm just going to vamp here for a second, and then you can edit all this out later. No, this is all staying in, baby. (laughs) Anytime that we mention an artist or someone in the world, please note that we are discussing them with the grain of not knowing what their views on the world are or whether they're a good person, yada, yada. I always have to put that disclaimer now because, you know, an artist might say something stupid (laughs) that, that we don't like. She does a webcomic about her journey as a transgender person. And Hell yeah. we love that, that comic is called Assigned Male. All right. All right. <laughs> so her name is Sophie LaBelle. And I became obsessed with her website after seeing that and then began reading the webcomics. And it's awesome. And I, I thought specifically of you because I think the way that she's looking at the world through her comics is very much in, in sort of your humorous and uh, thoughtful way. Oh, she's beautiful. So she has a sticker and it says, sis is not a slur, you sis. <laughs> And it made me extremely happy, but it also led me down an interesting rabbit hole because I was like, oh, you know, where is this a common thing that people say? And no, Sophie LaBelle like has, that's like one of her copyrighted things that she sells in her store. But that led me to a lot of discussion on Twitter about the word cis and how people react to that. Every uneducated cis person immediately assumes it's a slur. I have seen so many r slash the cis okay, shout out to Reddit there. Because cis people think that because they're quote-unquote normal, that if you describe them as anything other than that, that it's, you know, derogatory. Because that's how they view the world. (laughs) It does. I mean, they're right in all the worst ways. By labeling a gender cis, you are taking away their power and the uniformity that we've created as a society around that. And it's like, (laughs) you can be cis or you can be trans. And that is equal in the way that we view gender. And anyway, I'm embracing the the label (laughs) cis as a cisgender person and uh, living, living my best cis life because of that. Hell yeah. This is the transgender. I am Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is a podcast chronicling my transition. And me, a cisgender man, as we've established this episode, (laughs) learning how to support you. Thanksgiving is literally tomorrow, right around the corner here. And I wanted to quick talk about family and family dynamics from a trans, non-binary, and just generally queer standpoint. So I am thankful, Thanksgiving, for having a family and community that really supports me in my transition. Unfortunately, I am an abnormality in that. 
pre-transition, I hated family holidays because, you know, it was a time where I was constantly misgendered and misnamed all the time, like more so than usual. Still don't like them, but for different reasons now. (laughs) But for a lot of people who don't identify with the quote-unquote norm, holidays can be a time of a lot of stress and a lot of dysphoria and other things. And so I just wanted to get on my what is it? Milk stand or something like that? <laughs> Your soapbox? Soapbox. Oh, there no. We go. <laughs> See, that's why you need me on this podcast so that I can. Come so up I, can with use, <laughs> I can use old man slang. Those idioms. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. I mean, just again, another tangent, but I'm the worst with idioms. I keep saying hang it on your horse. <laughs> Which is something I've created. It's supposed to be um, something like hang your hat up or, yeah. you know, oh God, see, I don't even know what it's supposed to be. It's just hang it on your horse. For me, hang it so. on your horse. No, I love it. But to all my trans and queer people out there and anybody else who struggles with their family, just remember that like, it's one day and it sucks and, you know, you're going to see a lot of people who maybe you don't want to see, maybe they don't support you. A few quick tips. If you can, have a Friendsgiving or something like that, or have a Friendsmas or whatever holidays you celebrate. Because yes, family is an important thing in a lot of people's lives, but family is also who you choose to be around, and your friends are a really good place for that, especially if they support you and know who you are. If you absolutely have to go to see family who don't support you or anything, Find a family member who does support you and stick with them. (laughs) Use them as a shield, especially if they are, if you are out or anything to them and your family is accidentally or intentionally misgendering you, making slurs, things like that. Have them stand up to them for you. Like you're the minority here. Have a person who (laughs) has a little bit more authority in their eyes to, you know, whip them into shape or whatever. And then my final thing is like, it's anxious for everybody. You're not alone in that. And it's especially anxious for us who are queer. And so just know that like your queer siblings are out here and we're living just the same and you you can make it through it. We've all made it through it. It sucks, but you can make it through it and then live to see another day because we love you. I believe in you. I think that Friendsgiving piece is, is such an important part. As people that are really disconnected from our families, aside from each other, you know, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. really important that found family be the folks that we lean on for a lot of our support systems. And so the other thing I thought of as you are dating now is visiting other people's families during the holidays, which can be uncomfortable in a lot of different kinds of ways <laughs> because you're learning <laughs> these new people and they're learning you. And any advice in that scenario? Well, my girlfriend and her family love me very much. <laughs> and I get along with all of them very well, including her younger siblings. So, which can probably be the hardest, you know, I'm, I'm very likable judgy. for parents. <laughs> younger s- siblings are so judgy. I mean, guilty. I'm also, I'm an older sibling. I'm an older sister to three now. So um, y'all better watch out. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky to have a supportive group and, you know, Emmy's family loves and adores her as well. Emmy's my girlfriend. So I'm not worried at all. I'm actually very excited to have like a Thanksgiving with family who I want to be around again. If it's your first Thanksgiving out or anything like that, um, you know, don't be afraid to stand up for yourself. There are so many times, even to this day, where family will mess up my name and pronouns and they will say something really fucking stupid. <laughs> um, 
because everybody who doesn't know does all the time. And it's all right. We just need to help educate them. Stand up to them. Don't be an asshole. They are your family, unless they're an asshole to you, which in that case, I give you permission to be an asshole back. But, you know, like, help them understand. Don't be don't be a dick. <laughs> just keep it cool. Make sure that you're relaxed and explain things to them. Try and help them understand if they're willing to do that. And if they're not, they they don't deserve your time then. Go and eat some ham, whatever people eat at their holiday meals I think or you've um, determined what the motto for this podcast is going to be, which is uh, stand up for yourself, but don't be a dick. Because I think <laughs> that's... <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's going to be our first piece of merch. The biggest thing about dealing with other people who are not having the same experience as you is that we need to give people a little bit of room. Also, the idea that you don't need to get trampled on by people who are uh, misgendering you or misnaming you or deadnaming you or doing any of the things that are really dysphoric for you. And so I think a reminder or two for Grandma Betty is understandable and then being a little more firm with uh, relatives that are are being problematic <laughs> is is okay. And honestly, if you're feeling unsafe, if you're feeling like you cannot be there in a way that's going to be in your best mental health, and you are able to find somewhere else to be, that's going to be the best case scenario for you. And, you know, to those folks who don't have the same resources, if you unfortunately don't have a place to go, there are things that you can do still, you know, if you have even a single person who you can reach out to who maybe is not a friend of yours, but is understanding or supportive, and you just need somebody to fucking vent to, I assure you that you will be able to find somebody to just fucking vent to. I always like to go just sit out in nature and like contemplate because it's a good time to just relax and get away from people. If worst comes to worst and you absolutely can't take it anymore, go and sit in the car or go and sit in your room or something somewhere secluded that you can just have a minute. Listen to our podcast. No, I'm kidding. A little bit. Well, if it's if it's <laughs> cathartic at all too and you just want to send us what you're you're going through, we're we're here to listen. Um questions at transgendapod.com. You know, we'd we'd love to hear what's happening in your life and, you know, if there's anything we can bring from that to the podcast, we'll certainly do that. Absolutely. And my last bit of advice here is if you are contemplating self-harm, suicide, anything like that, please reach out. There are resources um, the suicide hotline. Uh, we've got a link in the in the, in the episode, episode description. description. Well. Um, the Trevor Project is a really good resource. There are plenty of things that can help you out. You don't need to do it. You don't need to hurt yourself. We love you. People love you, and you are better here than gone. On that topic of better here than gone, let's talk about dirty trans secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a main topic. Uh, concept that i adore i have no idea what we're actually talking about so you're gonna have to lead me into this yeah so normally we kind of work together to figure out topics or like one of us will propose an idea and the other one will do a little bit of research or something this one was a little bit short notice (laughs) i just want to talk about sort of things that i as a trans person did to feel more gender euphoric what it was like raising a very uncomfortable (laughs) trans daughter who is now extremely queer and proud about it and just sort of like things that 
parents can do, things that trans people can do to feel better in their bodies when maybe they aren't able to come out at that time or something like that. You know, it's interesting because it has been a journey for you and I um, to describe you, to 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 help me better understand you as as who you are. <laughs> to describe and me. so. I've gotten bits and pieces over the years of what queer identity looks like for you. And I'm really fortunate. You know, I I, uh, met a young trans man at a bar a couple of (laughs) weeks ago that uh, we had a great conversation. And one of the things he said to me that was just, it was really meaningful to me. And it, it was, so you're queer, right? And I said, no, I'm not. Sadly, no, I'm not. Oh, man, that's adorable. And and he said, he said, well, I just feel so comfortable talking to you about this stuff. And I said, well, you know, one of the benefits in my life is that I have been around queer communities my whole life. You know, I've been very, very fortunate to have folks in my life who have have uh, identified in in ways in the queer community. And so the idea of being able to learn more about you and who you are as a person through this journey, I at least had a foundation to be able to, to build that upon. You know, when you first came out to me as pansexual, as a example of that, uh, which we've now learned may not actually be (laughs) how you identify. (laughs) Fucking hate men. (laughs) Because men are awful. (laughs) Sorry, men. I'm one too. It's just begun to, that was part of this journey of learning about who you were. And so it was never hell to raise you uh, in in the way. I'm looking at our show notes right now. It says raising you must be hell. I did not write that. Anna wrote that. But the, the hard part has always been getting the communication right so that I can learn more about this in a way that you feel comfortable sharing with me. Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron 634 Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cashback from Upside. And not only is it about getting the communication right, it was also like gauging our comfort level. Like I, I was so uncomfortable for a long time about talking about it, about coming out, about really anything. And now as a adult trans woman, I am beating myself up on for that because I would have loved to come out sooner and gotten on puberty blockers. But it was a challenging thing to talk about, especially when I was already struggling with my identity and mental health factors and things like that. So life happens. Yeah, it's good to hear that uh, you did think that raising me was hell because i'm sure at points it very much could have been (laughs) now something that i think would be important to talk about in that is i had an awareness of your trans identity you needed to for your own personal safety and comfort level hide some of that from me and so that could not have been great for your dysphoria so i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about like how did you navigate that from from your side (laughs) 
<laughs> I was lucky enough to have friends who donated items like clothing and things like that for, to me. And so I was able to like express myself more accurately to my gender expression when I was younger. But of course, all clothing needs to be washed. And so there were a number of times where I would do my laundry at like 2 a.m. because I just didn't feel comfortable talking about or showing any of that. I do remember one time where the washing machine broke mid-load <laughs> and you pulled out all of my sopping wet clothing and dried it for me and how uncomfortable that made me from like a standpoint of oh my god you know he knows now and then I was also like oh but you were like super chill you just texted me and you were like hey I you know put your clothes in the dryer or whatever and there's a certain point where like just being open and accepting but also letting your trans person have time <laughs> to figure out themselves and everything um is really important too so i remember that specifically <laughs> as well so that's that's a funny yeah a funny moment in this journey that we both share is that uh, you know like again that was not my first it probably would have been more shocking to me if that was the first time i yeah. had encountered <laughs> women's clothing <laughs> that I wasn't expecting <laughs> in the house. You know, for, for me, I mean, what the text that you received was me staring at my phone for a long time thinking, what is the best way <laughs> that I can possibly, like, what's the chillest vibe I can bring across for this? Because I, I was feeling chill, except for making you feel any nervousness about, oh my god, he knows what's going on. I was so anxious for the next, like, week after that message. I will have you know. But that wasn't any fault of yours. I have very bad anxiety to anybody who doesn't know me, and that just is amplified before I transition. <laughs> you know, when I say dirty trans secrets, that was stemming from I literally kept my dirty laundry secret. <laughs> but, you know, there were other things that trans people do to feel euphoric in their gender an obvious example that a lot of people think of is binding for trans men where you basically squish the boobs or breasts or chest whatever you want to call it down to make it appear more flat there's a similar concept for trans women that's called tucking i'm not going to get too graphic for you but basically, you push the testicles back up to where they were before puberty, and then you just tuck the peen back underneath into its home. There are a lot of, like, gaffs um, are a special garment for tucking. In my personal experience, I find them to be quite uncomfortable because they have very little give and are made of weird textures oftentimes. <laughs> but when I was early on in my transition, around 12 or so, I think, I made homemade versions out of socks and old underwear. Oh, what do you call it? Elastic. I don't recommend doing that. It is very uncomfortable, especially if you try and wear it all day. But it was something to help me feel more euphoric in my own gender. Just as wrapping your chest in ace wrap bandages or something like that might help a trans man feel a little bit more euphoric in their gender. So when I what I say all of this for is, hey, there are things to help you. Just make sure that you're doing them safely. Binding especially can be extremely dangerous if you do it poorly and for a long well, we're time. We're not supposed to like <laughs> cut off circulation to any part of our body yeah, for a long exactly, period of time. So exactly. what you're saying I think would be in the common sense category. <laughs> in some ways hey my silence also is because i'm learning all this for the first time so i am intently listening just as you are dear listener because this is interesting stuff 
Yeah, no, and it's something that not a lot of people talk about. I think that when people think of trans people, they think of like, oh, surgeries, which like for some of us, yeah, absolutely. For a lot of us, no, not even hormones for some of us. You know, there are ways to make us to make ourselves feel more gender euphoric than the medical procedures and things like that. So on the opposite side of that, of talking, is packing for trans men. And I have to shout out to Jamie, a YouTuber who is a trans man himself, who often does videos reacting to trans stories and are this just okay on Reddit and things like that. He's amazing. Highly recommend any trans people out there watch him because he's hilarious and is great. But he did an episode about trans stories on Reddit. And one of the stories is of a trans man who had a new packer, which is basically a fake penis that's like not penis shaped it's kind of like a jock strap if i am understanding everything correctly it's to just, just a big lump yeah it's basically just to give the impression of a package penis whatever you want to call it this trans man got a new packer and jumped into a um, body of water wearing swim trunks and lost the packer in that jump and his grandmother found it and was very concerned because she thought that one poor boy lost his penis. <laughs> Which she wasn't wrong about. <laughs> Just in the wrong That poor way. boy did lose his penis. <laughs> From what I remember of that story, everything turned out well. And I, I remember that grandma being very supportive. There are so many ways for trans people to feel euphoric in their gender and curb their dysphoria. And it's not talked about because it's quote unquote weird. I guess we don't really talk about, like, how cis people deal with their genitalia, but, like, trans people, we gotta, like, you know, share our stories and things, at least with each other. This is important information. If we are going to normalize the conversation, this is exactly what people need to hear. The other thing that I was just thinking of as you're talking, because you were talking about binding, but also a breastplate would be the other side of that conversation, too. Yes, yep. So it's not something that I personally have ever done, just because I am comfortable enough with my chest as flat as it is. I do note here, I would like it bigger. Science, please. But, you know, I, I don't feel the need to, like, stuff or anything like that, which is the technique of, like, making your breasts look bigger because you are putting stuff into a bra. What I will say is that breast forms and other things, especially for mastectomy patients or cis women who have smaller breasts and would like to increase their size, are a completely viable option for trans people as well. They can get very expensive. <laughs> In my own personal research, I think the, sh the lowest price I've ever found is like $235. So it is very expensive and it is very it's an inv that's from that black market yeah that's like the know, black market like, like the, trans the guy with the trench coat yeah the exactly who, like opens up and is like <laughs> you want some boobs you know that that is also an option so yeah there are there are ways for trans people to adjust i suppose or create or reduce secondary sex characteristics to make them feel more at home in their body and in their gender so aside from the physical aspects that create euphoria what helps with your mental health as a trans person that can also provide that sense of euphoria or just even a sense of normalcy. I mean, we talk about gender euphoria because we want to distance yourself from dysphoria, but even just going about your day feeling normal, what, what does that look like from a non-physical <laughs> standpoint? 
Yeah. So, you know, the way that I like to describe my mental health is pre-transition, my baseline was okay to bad. Like, I never felt good. There was no moments where I ever felt good. It was always okay. And that meant that I could very quickly become angry, upset, sad, depressed, all the words for the not pleasant emotions. (laughs) And that part of it was really relieved when I transitioned and was able to start expressing myself. My baseline went from okay to bad to pretty much constantly good to excellent. I am a much happier person now. That makes me very happy. I also want to put a note for caregivers (laughs) at this point and say, if you have a teenager who is transitioning or gender questioning, Some of those emotions can feel like normal, in air quotes, teen expressions. Uh, Something that I had to give some thought to as I thought through all of Anna and my interactions leading up to her coming out to me was sometimes the anger and depression and and some of those things can, can just feel normal and like, oh, yeah, we all were teenagers. Ha ha ha. That's what we dealt with. But what Anna was dealing with was a deeper sense of dissatisfaction with her life because she couldn't be who she was. And that being said as well, dysphoria is nothing to fuck around with. My trans, my trans people, you know what I'm talking about, but to those caregivers and non-trans folks who listen to our podcast, like dysphoria, even to this day can put me into a spiral that sends me into, into a week to a month long depressive episode. And so that's where like, the it's more than just depression it's more than just those teenager emotions and changes because yeah we all do suffer from those and we've all been teenagers or we are teenagers or we will be teenagers so um caregivers trans folks know that dysphoria can and will make especially depression and especially anxiety a whole hell of a lot worse and can send you or your trans person into a spiral just from small things i mean for me it could be as little as like somebody got close to correctly gendering me and then corrected themselves to my incorrect gender and that would send me into a spiral like it it can be very very small things that people think that they're doing to help people but really are not um for for some people so don't fuck with dysphoria is what i will say to finish that thought for mental health things that i did a lot of escapism which is kind of how i dealt with a lot of my emotions when i was younger so you know i have over ten thousand hours in the game skyrim shout out to, Te- to todd howard um todd howard is and... not allowed to be put on a pedestal on this podcast <laughs> We need a different podcast in which I rant about Todd Howard. Anyway. Fair. And am I saying that that was healthy? Not at all. Um, I think that there is a certain point where escapism is helpful. I, You know, to this day, I still play a lot of video games and things. But at that point, it was on, it was sort of to an unhealthy degree because it was the only way for me to cope. Other things that I did, I mean, having support groups and systems and safety nets and things like that are so critically important just being able to talk about what you're feeling with people even if they don't understand if you can just say like hey this is what i'm feeling can really help get that off your chest and i guess like my last thing that like mental health wise that i did was i mean obviously come out but start expressing myself more i mean i started expressing myself more femininely when i was in about seventh grade and then continued on to basically constantly expressing myself femininely when I was at school and sort of out and about throughout high school. That was probably one of the best things for me was just being able to express myself a little bit more accurately. 
I saw a huge difference in your mental health when you were able to start being who you were in in a public sense. And um, again, your AmeriCorps experience as sort of the the testing ground for how that would look in the world, and then being able to just be who you were in our house, you know, was was yeah. really really important. That also makes me think, you know, as again the caregiver sense of this. I mean, finding the things that you and I can do together. Yep. I don't want to belabor the point that you and I have a unique relationships in in our ability to. <laughs> we have a similar worldview, and we like a lot of the same things. And so, you know, being able to bond over video games was always something that was good for both of our mental health. <laughs> and now, this podcast is something that's really good for both of our mental health. So, yep. you know, I think I think as a caregiver, being able to find those spots of these are things that we both enjoy together and one thing i'd note in that you know again we're, we're pretty lucky anna wasn't hiding behind hobbies or interests that were not her own in the world but a lot of people might because that fits a certain gender yeah. stereotype that their family you know you might go hunting with your dad because that's the thing that's expected of you all the time and that might not be your uh favorite activity <laughs> So I put the onus on caregivers to actually figure out what your your trans person would like to do in the world and take an interest in their interests. If you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgendapod.com. Be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics. And thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been Transgender. Love you all, except the biggest.